This is Being Better, the podcast about the science behind mindsets and practices that make us happier, wiser, and healthier. My name is Julia Spohr, and I am your host. Join us as each week we break down scientific research and bring you true stories of people from all walks of life to help you make better decisions that will shape your tomorrow. the show. This is your safe and non-judgmental space where you can learn all about the science behind mindsets and practices that make us happier, wiser and healthier. And yeah, I mean, this week's chat was incredibly educational and eye-opening. So I'm so excited to share it with you um, because it is all about fostering our femininity in a world designed by and for men and also about women's health but it's not just for people who identify as women i hope that this can be educational for people of all kinds of genders uh, because yeah i mean it's important to know these things and there is an incredible insufficiency in uh, the education about about women's biology and our needs and our cycles and in this episode we talk about also the shame and insecurity that we as women have been conditioned to feel with regards to sexuality, birth control, masturbation. So we actually dive into all of these topics, especially the birth control pill, you know, the science behind it, how it works and all the health risks as well as benefits that that it presents. We talk about the sacred feminine and how to honor uh, this cycle you know the lunar cycle uh, and also we talk about how we can foster and balance both the masculine and feminine parts of of ourselves so yeah i mean i'm, I'm super stoked about about this chat and the two badass women who shared their expertise on all of these topics are ali french and erica stein from the courageous wellness podcast so on their show they interview real people about their individual journeys in health and wellness and the podcast podcast is really widely successful. I personally am a huge fan and I really recommend you checking it out. Uh, and when it comes to the hosts themselves, Ali is a professional performing artist and she has always been interested in health and just fueling herself properly. But her wellness journey really started when at 29 she was diagnosed with a rare uh, form of cancer um, in the muscle lining of her back. She is now cancer-free, thank God, but this experience completely changed her relationship with, you know, her mind, body, um, and the sense of self. And now she is a certified integrative nutrition health coach, uh, also a wellness expert, and she works to educate people about how to feel their best and to be their own health advocate. And I also had the pleasure to talk with Erica as well. Erica is a director, producer, and wellness enthusiast who started her professional career working at Entertainment Tonight and The Insider. And her wellness journey began with a healthy weight loss, which, you know, actually she is one of those rare examples um, of people who were losing weight as a means of 
self-love and self-care. Uh, so to go through this experience in a healthy and sustainable way, she started diving deeper into nutrition and different healthy mindsets. And she's now also a certified integrative nutrition health coach, wellness expert, and she works to help women across the world feel secure and happy in their own bodies. So I'm such a fan of both of these amazing women. And recently, I also had the pleasure to be a guest on their podcast. Uh, and you'll be able to listen to that, I think, sometime between June and July 2022. But until then, I hope that this interview will be sufficient and will keep you informationally satisfied for a long time, uh, which is really, truly one of the best feelings, just like informational satisfaction. Um So yeah, please sit back and relax uh, if you can, of course, because if you are, I don't know, cycling right now, please keep cycling um, and yeah, and enjoy uh, this episode. Perfect. Okay. So I am again, like, I feel like our, our relationships are like more sophisticated right now because we've been talking, you know, yesterday and like, I feel like it's like a continuation uh, of that discussion which is, I don't know, it, it makes me more like chill rather than just like, I don't know, starting and meeting someone new. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm. So like before we like jump into the conversation, I really like starting um, by asking the guests to recommend something to the listeners, something that they've been enjoying uh, recently, like a book, a product, a podcast, or like an artist, a YouTube channel, just something that, you know, you found like informational educational or pleasant mm. or funny um so both of you maybe you can pick something that you've been enjoying recently and and share as a recommendation of the week yes mm. i have a couple that are yeah. top of mind um the <laughs> first is and it's actually a show out of the bbc hbo mm -hmm. max is the american distributor but it is a bbc show and it's called starstruck I don't know if you've Ooh. heard of it, but it's no, unbelievable. I, I can't recommend it enough. There's two seasons so far. It's six episodes each and it's a happy show, but it's so smart and funny. And the lead character, Jessie, um, I think her real name is Rose Montefio. I'm not actually sure what her last name is, but she, the star is also the creator and writer of the show. Mm -hmm. And she's, I think about 30 years old in real life. So it has this like young, fresh, funny tone. And it's like a romantic comedy TV show in six oh. episodes. And it's smart, funny, well-written, happy content. And I can't recommend what a it enough. What a combo. Like this and is perfect. Everybody, it was recommended to me by like two different people who like everybody who watches it basically like can't stop watching it. It's just, it's such good, well-written, smart, funny, happy TV, you know, like it doesn't have to be dumbed down to yes. be like funny and smart. And it's so female driven and it's such a smart, sorry, I could talk about this show forever, but it's also <laughs> such like a smart, funny heroine. Like this character, Jessie, she's created is like a real woman, um, in terms of like her interests and her, like, she's just not like a stereotypical leading lady, if that makes sense. Like she mm. not, I don't mean this to sound bad, but she's like smart and funny and yeah, like, she doesn't know. know what she's doing in her career, but it's not like written in a stupid way. Um, like, yeah. Oh, she doesn't have her life together. It's, it's just like a very empowering mm. 
show and I can't recommend it enough. That's my first um, recommendation. And then I'm also really obsessed with the new Harry Styles song. So I've listened to that on a loop. That's my second. (laughs) I love Harry Styles. I just watched this morning, his Coachella set with um, Lizzo. They, I guess she, she was brought out at Coachella last night and I watched that all morning. So I, yeah, love Harry Styles and Starstruck. Perfect. Like I've been, I've, I feel like I heard as it was once and like, I cannot get it out of my head. Like really, I heard it once. I'm, I really not, I'm not even that big of a fan, but I think I'm becoming one because I, I, I keep thinking about it. So I love him so much. I'm, I'm also like 33 years old and I think he's like 27. Um, so maybe this is entering my cougar years now, Allie, but I (laughs) I thought you were going to say, I'm also like, 13 years old <laughs> in my heart in her like, heart in my heart yes. I'm a teeny bopper forever yeah. Mm-hmm. yes uh, yeah shall I shall I offer a few of course okay of course. so I'm gonna take a little bit of a um pivot I was like and I bet I, allies are gonna be much smarter <laughs> no <laughs> no I still have it's to balance. watch Star it's, a it's a balance and we I yeah. really do want to watch that show that you recommended um I'm gonna offer something that like is a little bit aligned with our brand, like in the health and wellness space. Um, Mm. the podcast, if anybody doesn't know of it, uh, there's a a doctor, an American doctor called Dr. Mark Hyman, who does a lot Mm. of, um, really interesting work and he's a functional medicine physician. And, um, he has a, he has a podcast called the doctor's pharmacy, but it's spelled F A R M like a play on Mm. farm. And it's really about, um, it's not exclusively about nutrition by any means, but it's just about really how it explores different topics with different experts from all over the world, um, about how we can sort of tap into living vital, lives of longevity and what, and what we can do in practical and holistic ways. And it does sometimes get a little sciencey, but I think it's also pretty accessible for anyone who's mm. not in medicine at all, or not in um, nutrition or in any of like the health and wellness spaces. Like, I think it's very accessible for just anyone who's interested in that. I love mm. the doctor's pharmacy and he, Dr. Hyman always turns me on to interesting people and some of their work. So, and I, I thought that you were going to say that he turns me on and I was just like, damn. Oh, not, no, he doesn't turn me on in that way. Although he's a very attractive <laughs> older man. <but laughs> he's kind of like a wellness rock star that we've been to like yeah. conferences that he's spoken wow. at. And I will tell you when he comes out, like people go a little nuts. So yeah, he's like in his sixties, but he, he is a hottie for sure. Yes. Um, but yeah, 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 he's really like just his work is is pretty awesome. So I would recommend wellness that. I'm trying star. to wellness rockstar. I'm trying to think of something fun that I have been watching. I mean, or that's reading. for me, and I feel like for a lot of listeners of the Being Better podcast, um, since we want to have this space and make make it very research based, uh, mm-hmm. I feel like we are enjoying, you know, those kind of podcasts. And yeah. it, like, I feel like this is pleasurable and, and fun as well. You know, sometimes it's, it's fun to like rewatch friends for the, you know, 19th time. Right. Um, but sometimes you just, I don't know, want to read a like huge and thick scientific book. I don't know if that's relatable actually, but like that's relatable for me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Again, you need it. Like you said earlier, you need a balance. So absolutely. Exactly. Um, and then we also have some great books that I would recommend. Um, I was gonna say we, because some of the <laughs> authors have been on our show, but like I have one in front of me, it's called, I re- cause I recommended it to someone else the other day, but it's called unwell women. 
misdiagnosis and myth in a man-made world. And the author, she is a PhD out of England. She lives in, um, her name is mm. Eleanor Cleghorn. So, uh, she came on the show too. And, and just really some of her work is pretty eye-opening. So, um, yeah, I'd recommend Yeah. That like well. I was recently thinking about that and I was recently thinking because I, I don't know, it was like a random situation that I was like with friends somewhere, like coming back from a party and I saw the full moon and I was thinking about how we as women have this more like lunar cycle, like 28 days and, and, and our whole like cycles, but the whole world is arranged according to the like male cycle, which is like 24 hours according to the sun. And I feel like this is so, again, this is so fucked up. Um, like, you know, like we talked about earlier that, yeah. um, before we hit record that we as women sometimes, you know, are nauseous or feel so many different things throughout that 28 days. And, and no one really uh, is discussing how difficult it is, uh, because like, you cannot say, I'm not going to work. I'm going to rest now um, because, you know, the, the world does not allow that and it does not consider, right, that female cycle. So I think like, this is important to, to read about. Yes. Julia, you know what? When you were sharing that, I have one more recommendation. Um, sure. There's a woman also, she's an American nutritionist and she does work specifically with female hormones. She does a lot of wonderful work, also writes really accessible books and content and she's online and you can follow her. Um, her name's Elisa Vitti. Um, V I T T I is her last name. And she created something called flow living and her mm. work with the, um, infradian rhythm that you were just talking about the four phases of the lunar cycle or menstrual cycle that we go yeah. through as women is so awesome, life-changing, empowering mm. to really understand how to sort of like optimize that time. And yes, you're right. We don't live in a society that's set up that way, but, um, mm. anybody interested, go check out Alyssa Vitti. She's, she's just rad her work because it's so true. Like you're supposed to eat differently, move differently, depending on which week of your cycle that you're currently on. Yeah. And even myself, like I went off of the birth control pill for the first time in 10 years in May of 2021. And like Ali was really an asset to me. And that was a great asset to me as well. But really, again, we, I certainly wasn't taught about any of this, right. I was just like yes. put on the birth control pill. Um, but I will say too, I think Eleanor's book and, and her episode on our podcast that I really do recommend checking out is I think it's kind of what I, I love about our platform as well. And what Ali and I are so passionate about is that I think, especially as women, we have to advocate for our own health and wellness because mm. a lot, and I we're in the United States, so <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of problems in our medical system and we love Western medicine. We have a very holistic approach. We, we think there's room for both and everything, but a really big problem, um, especially I can only really speak to, um, American doctors, but Eleanor had this exact same experience in England. And as you were saying, like female issues aren't taken us seriously, right? Be yes. it sexual pain, sexual discomfort, any pain in general. Um, yeah. so many women we've had on the show. And I think this was part of Eleanor's experience as well was just like, well, go have a glass of wine, do more yoga, relax, right. Instead of taking their symptoms seriously. And so a lot of women 
like the title of her book, it's like misdiagnosis in a man-made world. So I think as young women, especially, we must advocate for our health. And, and I think that Allie has actually a really cool experience where she was diagnosed with cancer at 29 and told to ignore it, um, before her diagnosis, ignore it, Allie, you can take it from here, but she has like a really cool experience with advocating for her own health and wellness. Yeah. I mean, I can share it if you're, if you're interested. I mean, I'm really interested in that. Um, so I'll give you the, I'll give you the short version, but, um, I was working full time as a performing artist at the time. And I had a bruise on my back that wasn't going away. And a friend of mine who I was in a show with noticed it because I couldn't see it. It was on my back, but she's like, Hey, this hasn't healed. And, you know, it's sort of normal to get kind of banged around a little bit here and there and get a bruise when you're in a show and physically moving your body in that way. Um, So I actually like the next time I had gone to the doctor, I had to see a doctor who was part of like the practice that I went to, but wasn't my normal um, general physician because she was on holiday. And so I was really sick with just sort of a winter kind of bug that wasn't going away. And I was worried that it was an infection. So I went in and I said, while I was there, I said to him, Hey, can you also check out my back? Something, this isn't going away. I had broken blood vessels kind of looked like a bruise. Um, and he just sort of glanced at it and he was like, yeah, no, this is nothing. You can ignore that. It's probably just a cyst, but Hmm. something inside me was like, "Hmm, I don't know. I'm going to ask my doctor when I see her again. And she's like, okay, this is strange. Um, I'm going to take some notes on it. I'm going to, you know, really like observe it. And we're going to keep an eye on this. And she did. And then I went back to see her again and she had noticed differences in the, in like what kind of on the surface looked like a bruise. Mm. So over the course of so many months, probably a year since I had first seen that other doctor who told me to ignore it. I, my, then my female general physician, um, referred me to a specialist. It was actually a dermatologist because it was something that was showing up on my skin. The dermatologist didn't know what it was. So he did a biopsy and I wound up having actually a rare tumor that starts in the skin, but grows down and it was cancerous. And Mm. It, so the diagnosis took over a year. Fortunately, I found out when it was non-aggressive, but I still had to have three back surgeries in order to, mm. um, eventually become cancer free, yeah. which was wonderful. <laughs> I'm very fortunate. And I didn't have to do any, um, extensive like chemotherapy or any treatment like that. But although the, the surgeries were certainly something that was, you know, took me out and I had to heal from, but, um, had I listened to that initial doctor, it could have become aggressive before we had caught it. And I think it was just a, it was just a lesson in really listening to your own intuition. It's Mm -hmm. never, it's never a problem to ask. You know what I mean? Like, it's never a problem if you're feeling like something is off to continue to see curiosity, even if it's dismissed by a medical professional, mm. go to someone else or keep at it. If you feel like something is there and it's different, you know, the difference between your intuition and like anxiety or, or try to get into the difference because I'm not talking about like, it's not a hypochondriac type of thing where you like think a million things are wrong or, you know what I mean? It's like, this was 
Hey, it feels weird that he dismissed it in this way. I have this deep feeling that like I should stick with this. And so eventually Mm -hmm. I listened to that and eventually got the diagnosis. So it's just, just it's just a a lesson in that. and I do want to mm. add though, as somebody who is more on the hypochondriac side of like, you're anxiety, not a hypochondriac, you no, know, but like, I, you know, like I, you know, my mind, my, I have a lot of anxiety, right? Yeah, so like yeah, when yeah. I think I feel something or find something or, you know, um, I get, but I have had doctors be very thorough with me because of that, right? Like I personally, mm. as somebody who does run more anxious, I wouldn't see a doctor who dismissed it as anxiety. I, mm. I want them to mm. be thorough and then tell me it's my anxiety, not just yeah. dismiss it as anxiety without being thorough first, because then after they're thorough and they're just like, oh, this is your anxiety. I trust mm. that more. And I've also been in the situation with Ali where I found something and my doctor checked it out and was thorough, even though I was young and, and he found something that ended up not being anything serious or dangerous, but right. found something together. So I think again, you know, we, it doesn't matter if you run anxious, your doctor should be thorough before dismissing you, you know, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like this is, I'm actually excited to talk about that to maybe like to take that as the topic of, of this discussion today, because I feel like, right. Fostering and empowering our femininity in this men made society I'm not going to say world because the world wasn't man-made however um, this western civilization I guess and how um, everything was set up right does not really empower women and is not listening to to what we what we have to say and how we work and how we think like even when you think about um, the educational system like we are studying in a way uh, that suits you know the way that mostly like men think i for example am a real scatterbrain and i'm not saying that this is how all females you know think uh, but you know also how we have like for example exams that there's one set date and like maybe half of the women can have like period uh, on that day and and cramps and and you cannot have anything to say about that and you know in most countries those final exams are like um, something that will get you or will not get you into college or university i feel like when it comes to the doctors also because I've, I've been uh, recently looking for um, like a, a new gynecologist and I had a lot of discussions with my friends that I I don't want to have a male gynecologist. I, I went to one and, and, and I feel like no matter how um, educated they are, no matter how much they read and studied, they don't know, they cannot even imagine the perspective uh, of a woman when it comes to like all the things we are experiencing, you know, in terms of pain and, and, and so what. However, also when it comes to like insecurity about all of these aspects, because in this world, we are not allowed to, to talk about, you know, our sexuality, female pleasure, uh, you know, pain, all of the different fluids that are coming out of you. And there are so many <laughs> different types uh, and we, we are not encouraged to talk about that. And so this whole space is something that we, um, we feel a lot of shame about and, and that's, you know, something that we need to work on. But I feel like this is also something that and not a lot of like 
male doctors can um, can understand, and it's not you know their fault, uh, but yeah, I mean, and for yeah. me that was like this big aspect. Like, I I cannot, yeah. Well, I yeah. think too, like just some practical tips we can give your audience too. And again, I know our medical systems greatly differ in the states than in the rest of the world because here, right, like our medical system isn't great like at all. So I can only speak yeah. to, um, what has worked or what I would mm-hmm. recommend if like, I guess, like with a state's perspective on it, but yeah, I yeah, yeah. but the majority things- of the listeners are from the U S oh, great. Okay. okay. So then these are tips, but again, like, yeah. I think they are universal in the sense of like learning how to advocate for what you need and want. And it's beyond right. Just like OBGYN, or it could even be with therapists. Like for instance, I think you really have to like your doctor is working for you, be it a therapist, a medical doctor, an OBGYN, a GP, you're, you have at least right in the United States, we have choice. We can go to any doctor we want that's covered by our insurance, um, which is a different, (laughs) different conversation, but it's still our choice who we see within that umbrella. And so for instance, before I found my therapist, I, I interviewed, I went to three different women who I did not like and did not vibe with. The first one made faces at me when I was telling her my story. Like you can't see, cause this is a podcast, but she was literally going <gasps> like, you can hear like the sound. And I was just yeah. like, what the heck? And to be honest, <laughs> I think this is why a lot of people get turned off with therapy as one example, because they have such a bad experience with a person mm-hmm. or a bad experience with an OBGYN or a bad experience with a GP. And they are like, well, I'm just not going to go to the doctor anymore, or I'm not going to get therapy anymore. And I think the way we really need to think about going to the doctor, because like I have my OBGYN is a male and he's incredible and he's thorough and he knows I have anxiety and he, he doesn't judge me for it. He doesn't, um, he is so thorough. He is so thorough Mm. and he actually doesn't take my insurance. So I pay out of pocket and that's probably why he's so thorough and gives me so much time, which is again, a totally different conversation. (laughs) But I think this idea of like, our doctors are working for us. And just because they have this medical degree, it doesn't mean that they necessarily that their medical degree trumps your feelings, emotions, or intuition. You know what's going on with your body better than anybody else, anybody else. So I think if you have this perspective of, do I like this doctor? Do I feel safe with this doctor? Do I feel respected by this doctor? Is he listening to me? Um, Is he being thorough enough for me? Um, Does he have a bedside manner that I appreciate? He or she, I'm sorry, I'm using male gender. Um, pronouns, but again, that's just my conditioning, right? In society, yeah. it's training to unlearn that. Mm. But, um, but yes, like, does he or she respect me in these ways? And if you don't feel good, you can go to another doctor. And yeah, I and know that's the fact that doctors. I feel like this is the questions you should ask, like in all kinds of relationships, especially like professional relationships Absolutely. as well. Absolutely, like you are empowered. And I just had a a girlfriend who went to the doctor and was told she needed surgery without doing any x-rays without doing like the doctor. And she was so pissed when she left. She was like, he didn't give me any x-rays. He barely spoke to me. He gave me 20 minutes and told me I needed extensive surgery on my ankle. And I was like, oh girl, you're going to another doctor. Like you're, you're absolutely going to see somebody else. But I think 
I didn't have. And again, like that's what I think podcasts are so important for. I think that's what we want our platform to be is I think the more and more you hear people talking about advocating for their own health and wellness, the more empowered we all are to do it. Right. Because 10 years ago, I certainly wasn't empowered, you know, to, to, I didn't know any of this. I was just like, doctor knows best. Listen to your doctor, right? Like it, mm. it's really evolved for me, but I do think that big tip of if you don't like your doctor or you don't feel respected or listened to or honored, go find another doctor. Like he's yeah. not the end all be all, or she's not the end all be all. Can I just add to there's, there's like, um, two things. One thing, yeah, I'm going to yes. And what Erica said, yes. And especially in the States, if you have American listeners too, we've had a lot of physicians on the podcast who've also shared the reasoning behind sometimes being rushed in and out of doctor's offices, which is that like after seven minutes with a patient, and this is just not to get into this full conversation, but this is just to shine a light on a system that has a lot of, um, big cracks, or could you could even say is broken in a lot of ways because the doctors also don't have the support. Like after seven minutes with a client or something like that, statistically, like they're losing money, you mm -hmm. know, uh, they, there are certain procedures. We had these two female physicians who are leading, um, in, in the treatment of endometriosis, as far as female health things go. And in order to perform the actual procedure they need to, to do a proper diagnosis, the insurance companies like don't pay for it. So the doctor is also losing money, you know? And it's like, these people are mm -hmm. also like professionals who need to make a living. So yeah, it's of this course. very complicated thing where it's like, not only sometimes are the patients not getting supported in the way they might. And yes, at least what Eric was saying, there can be choice and say, like, if you're not being supported, you have the ability and you hopefully have the ability to go make a, try somebody else. And to recognize that at least in our system, the physicians are not always receiving the support that they need from the larger system in order to do their jobs properly. So it's a really complicated issue. Yeah. Um, but just to have like a little, that really helped me have a little bit of perspective and compassion. Um, and all of that being said, as someone who wasn't diagnosed when I did have cancer, <laughs> if you do have a gut feeling about something, it just never hurts to stay on it. That's all. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a really interesting, it's a really interesting. Yeah, and, and, and I'm also like, I would love to discuss and hear your thoughts about all of the shame that mm. we feel about topics that are if you think about it, so normal and 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 natural, and and I will actually tomorrow I will be recording a, an episode also about um, you know pleasure in terms of embodiment and movement, and I feel like there is some kind of anxiety that I feel, um, just you know that I will be speaking about probably masturbation and sexuality, and and it's so weird that me. I, I, I always thought that, you know, I am a person that is not uh, that afraid. It's pretty confident and, and feels um, secure in, in what my opinions are. However, here I am being anxious and, and, you know, just like random conversations, um, just about, you know, 
I, I don't feel like talking to you right now, not because uh, you are a bad person or something, but I have huge cramps or I'm currently so nauseated uh, from, from my period that I, that I cannot even focus. And this is something that we are not, like, I feel like allowed to say. And yet this shame, I don't know, is something that like, I, I, as you grow up, you don't even notice because you feel like that's that's what you're supposed to feel. And this is normal. Yeah. I mean, I think your generation, first of all, like even more than ours, even especially more than like our parents, it's, it's getting better, but it's interesting hearing, you know, um, I feel like you speak about so many topics so openly that like, I don't know that I would have had the confidence to talk about. (laughs) I would not have had the confidence. No, I feel like just even (laughs) moving into my thirties, I'm just so much more open about it because you understand the like you said, that's so normal. It's so a part of life. It's so a part of the life that like half the population, you know, menstruates and, um, and over. I feel like, like there are more, women there are more women. World. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, you know, um, menstruating people, not to like just gender, yeah, genderize people, but yeah, of course, like there is actually more female biology on this planet. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's such a natural part of life. And I think the shame around it is, you know, it's historical is like sort of this idea of, again, wanting to fit into a system that already exists in a certain way where it's like, yeah, I, especially like, I think, you know, I'm not an expert in this, but like, especially in the women's rights, initial sort of like women's rights movements in the sixties and seventies too, it was like, these people had to compare. I don't know if compete, but sort of like prove um, that they could sort of do it like the guys in a way Mm -hmm. in order to sort of have like, you know, it was more about having to conform to like the system that already exists, but like being kind of given opportunity within that. And Mm -hmm. yes. And now there's also, as you're saying, Julia, there's sort of an acknowledgement of well, maybe it's the system that doesn't support, you know, over half the population in order to like allow them to optimize what we can do and offer, um, in the, in the way that serves us Mm, rather than us serving the systems, you know? So I think Mm. the more that we recognize for ourselves, maybe, you know, maybe in this rhythm, I work best, or maybe at this time of the month, I make, I'm really great at making like active decisions for my career. And maybe in this time of the month, I need to like take more rest and work a little bit less, but, um, but that I know that like, it will help me in other phases, or maybe I support myself by moving my body this way in the month and, and not this way. And, and Mm. to be okay with that and know that that's like not a deficiency. I think women understanding their own bodies is going to start helping that. Um, and and that's why Erica, I, I think I wanted to ask you because you, you talked about the birth control pill and and I feel like the shame also stems from the lack of just information and education about this about um right the the entire like female reproductive system and hormonal health and and just basically our biology and our needs Mm and 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 I feel like uh, I I wanted to ask you also about about that experience with uh, with getting on and then getting off the birth control pill because um I don't think I don't feel like a lot of people talk about that yeah, no, absolutely. And just just to add one point about like 
like mm. I want to call it like sacred sexuality and like our sacred feminine. And I, I'm also not an expert in this, but I think Julia, like you having these conversations is so important because similarly, like, I feel like I'm just fully, or like I, I fully started embracing like my sexual being, like much later in life than I should have. Right. Like <laughs> yeah. even as a, I'm a married woman and now I'm like mm. fully embracing it. And it's interesting, but again, I think, I think storytelling and sharing stories and being vulnerable is so powerful in a way that's authentic to you and to your listeners and to everyone, because it's different for every single person, right? Like somebody might get up there and be like, I'm going to talk about masturbation and and sex. And that might be really authentic and vulnerable to them. And for somebody else, that's not vulnerable to them, right? Maybe they Mm. don't want to talk and both are okay. But I think whatever we get called to talk about, the more we talk about everything, the less stigmatized, it like destigmatizes the conversation. And, and again, I think even for myself, like I do try to listen to more like sex positive podcasts and things like that, because I don't think I grew up in like a sex positive environment. I think a lot of women yeah, in the 80s, I 90s, think 2000s. like it's like yeah. very, very rare examples. If you can like, if you can find a woman that could say that she grew up in like a sex positive environment, that's like, I don't know, a miracle for me. Well, and if you look even in pop culture, right? Like it's like, I think we're now seeing a reckoning with how like the Lindsay Lohans and the Paris Hiltons and the Britney Spearses were all treated in the early 2000s in a way that would not be tolerated in the same way in 2022. Right. So I think, but of course, like that's kind of like our generation, Ali and I, like we grew up in like the early two thousands or like really came of age, I would say in the, the early aughts. And so I think that has conditioning of if you behave a certain way or stand in your sexuality, you're going to be branded as X, Y, and Z. So I do think I, I just wanted to add that where it's like, it's, it's something I'm trying to reclaim as a 33 year old woman is like my sacred femininity and my sexuality and, and, you know, being empowered in that way. And, um, I think it's really beautiful. And I think that's why these conversations are really important. And I think, again, just our society exists in such a masculine way. It's not gendered. It's like, I'm very masculine because to exist in, the world we live in, you have to tap more into your masculine parts and your masculine energies. And so I, again, I'm not an expert in this, but I am really trying to ease into living more in my feminine, be it through, um, dance and movement. And like, even this morning, I was just like dancing around my bedroom when I woke up in the morning and just like really trying to get into my body. And some great resources for that too, is, um, we love the untamed herbalist on Instagram and she does a lot Mm -hmm. of like somatic movement and anxiety work. And it's not her expertise, but I love the way she's doing it because, um, it's very beautiful and authentic to her. So I just wanted to add that in Mm -hmm. and I'm happy to talk about the pill. And Allie was a great (laughs) resource to me because she does have advanced education in hormone health. She really Mm -hmm. helped me as I transitioned, but to now talk about the birth control pill, Yeah. I was just put on birth control when I was 23 years old. Um, I met my then boyfriend who is now my husband. And it was like Mm -hmm. the first time in my life I was consistently sexually active. And I was like, oh, I don't want to get pregnant. So I'm going to get on the birth control pill. And that was kind of it. 
I went to my doctor. He said nothing other than this prevents pregnancy. Here you go. Took a pill. Didn't even know what pill he gave me. Didn't do any research on it. Just took it for the next about 10 years. I did switch pills at one point because it started making me nauseous. I think around like year six or seven. So I'd been on two different types of birth control pills in about 10 years and it did its job. It prevented pregnancy. And I decided to go off of the birth control pill because as my education grew and I started learning about maybe some side effects of the birth control pill that I didn't necessarily want. I'm also at an age where, and in a situation where if I got pregnant, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Like I'm not actively trying to have Mm -hmm. a child, but if we accidentally got pregnant, it wouldn't, you know, I'm 33 years old and married. It wouldn't wouldn't destroy my life. (laughs) (laughs) Not that children ever destroy your life, but you know, that's how I thought at like 23 years old. So, and I know I also want to caveat, there are benefits to the birth control pill and people have wonderful experiences on this. So I'm not here to yuck anyone's yums. Allie and I don't like to, we, we provide information. We're sharing information that works for us, Mm -hmm. but if you are on the birth control pill and you love it and it's helping your issues that you were put on for it, go you. We're not, again, not here to yuck anyone else's yums, but I was ready to get off of the pill after 10 years and I wanted to menstruate again. Like I wanted to, to really like honor my cycles. I have gotten a little witchier this year, as we talked about, like I'm trying to embrace my sacred feminine. I go to like virtual Mm. moon events. Like I wanted to menstruate and I wanted to, I wanted to menstruate. That's really why I went off the pill. And I also felt responsible enough to track my cycle in non-hormonal ways to prevent pregnancy, et cetera, et cetera. So that all brings me to, I feel very fortunate because when I went off of the birth control pill, I had only gone on it 10 years prior to mask or not mask to prevent pregnancy. And I feel very lucky for that because what happens to a lot of young women when they go off the birth control pill is if they were put on it for like severe acne or symptoms of PCOS that they weren't really told about, or before any symptoms like that could have even percolated. What happens when you go off the pill after 10, 15 years is a lot of symptoms pop up that the pill Mm. was masking. And Allie can talk more about that because she's the expert, but (laughs) I will say, so I feel really lucky because I just went on the pill to prevent pregnancy and I was 23. So anything that would have mostly come to the surface, like came to the surface by then, right? Like I had some body acne, birth control helped that go away. It has since come back. So that's fun. But (laughs) other than that, the only, like, I haven't had a difficult transition coming off of the birth control pill because the only thing I went on for it in my early twenties was to prevent Mm. pregnancy. So Allie, I know can speak to more of like, what can happen if maybe you were put on it at 15 before any symptoms could have unearthed and, or were put on for things like acne or things like that. Then I think people do have a harder time coming off the pill because we're not educated. I was, I was 23 and I didn't ask any questions. All my friends were on birth control, took the pill. That was it. (laughs) So not what I would recommend. If you are a young woman being put on the pill, even if you want to take the pill, which again, you know, do you like it helps some women 
I was on it for 10 years. Allie's been on birth control. Just ask questions and do your research and due diligence and make sure it's not masking Mm -hmm. anything other than preventing pregnancy would be my tip. And Hallie, I know you have a lot of thoughts because she really (laughs) helped me transition off of birth control. Sorry, I was muted. Um, I was going to say, Julia, do you, do you want me to go into that as far as like a little bit? Yeah. Like, I feel like I would love to hear a bit of right. The science uh, behind, behind the pill, um, and the effects, um, you know, what people considering choosing uh, it, uh, what they should consider and right. And how the process of getting into it and and getting off of it, uh, looks like. Yeah. So I think Erica did like a pretty extensive job about covering, you know, the idea that sometimes Mm -hmm. the pill is given out or synthetic. It's not only the pill can be used as sort of like um, interchangeably, whether it's you're on the birth control pill or whether you are um, getting any form of synthetic hormones as a pregnancy prevention can be used for pregnancy prevention. It can also be used, as she said, for symptom management, hormonal symptom management, which oftentimes it's prescribed for. Um, yeah, just like her, I also had bouts on and off of different synthetic hormones over the years. Um, didn't really learn about this, but I think the important part about learning about what the pill actually does or any sort of synthetic birth control is um, to understand, it's, it goes hand in hand with understanding what we were talking about earlier, which is our cycle. So when we take synthetic hormones, um, basically we're taking, and each, each pill is different. Some of them have estrogen and progesterone. It, it just sort of depends on what your combination of, you know, whatever one you're taking. But basically what it does is it stops ovulation. So it basically tells your body you're like, tricks it into thinking it's already pregnant. Mm. Um, and so therefore you don't ovulate. So any bleeding that you have while you're on synthetic hormone, cause some people do those like placebo days, um, or take out your, um, ring or whatever it might be. Um, and, and you have that bleeding that happens is actually not a period. It's a period in the sense that you're bleeding for a few days. So you get through, get to go through that cycle, but it's not a period because you haven't ovulated. You haven't gone through your follicular, your ovulatory, your luteal and your menstrual phase. So, um, I mean, you could essentially just take it indefinitely and not have that bleeding too, while you're on it. So yeah, your body is not producing the monthly sort of hormones that it would in order to go through that menstrual cycle um, and through those four phases that I mentioned. And people don't ovulate for, as in Erica's situation, for a decade, sometimes, sometimes more. I had friends on the pill for 20 years and then all of a sudden go off to try to get pregnant. And um, sometimes it's a bit of a a difficulty. It's not that it's impossible. It's not. It's just... um, your body hasn't had to go through that monthly hormonal cycle on its own, producing its own hormones, Mm -hmm. um, in the same way for that long. So that's basically what happens now, because you're ingesting synthetic hormones when you're on, you know, the pill or the ring or whatever it might be. And sometimes they're low dose and sometimes they're localized and some people get the, you know, the thing in their arm or whatever it might be. Um, you can get side effects and everything from 
physical side effects like extra bloating or water retention. Um, sometimes that's in the form of weight shift. Sometimes you can get positive side effects like better skin. <laughs> um, sometimes you can, this is a big one. You lose your libido, not entirely. Mm-hmm. People experience that in different ways, but that's a very common one where it can affect it over time. You know, so there's, you know, the list goes on. There's, there's many, but sometimes these are so subtle and they happen over time that people don't realize that that's not their normal state. Like, oh, I just don't know why I don't have a libido or, you know, or I'm feeling, you know, I've had people tell me they've, they've, they've been on certain ones where they feel like they want to crawl out of their skin. Like there's some, it's like, okay, we're taking hormones every day. Um, and they're synthetic and yes, it's keeping us from getting pregnant, but like, how, how are we going to take, put this into our body every day and not expect to have side effects? You know, that's just the reality. And, and some experience it worse than others. Um, it might be super low grade for some people. For me, it was depending on where I, you know, what form I was taking at the time, but, um, oftentimes people with really difficult sort of hormonal, I'm going to say issues or imbalances like polycystic ovarian syndrome is very common, um, and can, sometimes, you know, or fibroids or endometriosis or different things that can create really difficult periods. Oftentimes we don't, we're not taught to, to dig into why our periods are really difficult. Yeah. The, doc, the doctor will just prescribe. Yeah. Um, because of the shame and all this stuff that we discussed earlier. Exactly. And it's like, okay, this is why I love the work of Alyssa Vitti. She says, Hey, yeah. PMS is really common. Like probably the three of us on this call have had PMS, you know, in the last month or so. However, what she starts to break down is that it's not normal. It's common, but not normal. I had never heard that before. I thought it was normal that I was going to feel like crap the week before my period. But what I've learned is when we learn to really understand our cycle, our infradian rhythm, and learn how we can move and how we can eat to support ourselves, wow. Oh my gosh. My PMS symptoms just got a whole lot better. Like crazy. I I've even now got to the point sometimes where I'll get my period and I'll know because that's my calendar, but I won't know because the few days before my body feels awesome. I was like, what happened? You know, but there are these holistic ways to really support our cycle that we're not taught about. And so when doctors slap on birth control, you know, or say, Hey, yeah, this really does prevent pregnancy. You know what else? Let's talk about learning to um, understand how our cycle works, understanding that we're really only fertile about 48 hours a month, and we can get pregnant up to six days prior to that understanding that that's the window. That's it. Understanding what it looks like when we're ovulating, what are our symptoms? What do we experience a change in fluid and cervical fluid changes? like all these things, how you can track it on a calendar, but nobody teaches us that. I didn't learn that into my thirties, right? Yeah. So that there are other options. And so it's not that one is bad or good. You know, you have to understand what the side effects are when you're going to take synthetic hormones, but to say, here are your options for this, or 
Hey, you're really struggling with a period. I understand how difficult that can be. I can understand how painful that can be. It's very common that it's that painful. Let's talk about some ways and try those maybe before we, um, like to support ourselves before we go down the route of synthetic birth control. Cause guess what? When you go off birth control, as Erica said, so kind of clearly, if it, if you were prescribed it to mask symptoms that already exist, it's most likely that the symptoms are going to come back when your body starts functioning mm. and creating a period again, if that makes sense. So I hope yeah. that helped. I hope that like broke it down a little bit, but just, I think education is a huge part of it. And like we both said, we didn't really dive into this work until we were in our thirties already. Mm. So the fact that you're like sharing this I now, I wish cool. I knew. I was going to say, I, I didn't even know until a couple of years ago, which is crazy that like you don't even have a real bleed when you're on the birth control pill. So your period, mm-hmm. I know some women on the pill, like don't have any bleed or it's so light. They don't notice it, but that, that bleed is a synthetic bleed alley. Like literally did not know this until two yeah. years ago that was created. I think because of the Catholic church, like there's some sort of religious, no, it gets deep. Oh, like, I didn't know that. I'm not an expert on this, but when I read yeah. about it, because Allie was like, you're not really bleeding. Like it's not, a I real mean, you bleed, ble- you bleed. Yeah. It's not a real period, yeah. but you yeah, don't need yeah. to actually have that experience. And it had something to do with when the birth control pill was being made and marketed. I'm pretty sure, again, don't quote me on this. This could be yeah. like some TikTok <laughs> propaganda I saw, but I, I don't think it was because I wasn't on TikTok when I read this, but well, it was Catholic, something like the Catholic church historically doesn't believe in yeah, exactly. birth control well, at so all. Maybe it wasn't, but it, so, it's why you have a million religious, like they thought that it would be more religiously acceptable oh. if you were still bleeding than you know if, what it probably was. If I'm had to guess, it's probably a way a woman, a woman could get away with being, being on, on without control. being found yeah. out Maybe, that yeah. she was on it. I, I mean, like I, I, again, I, this, but I didn't even know it wasn't like, yes, yeah. not, you're not actually men's. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yeah. know what I thought. I just, <laughs> I did not know anything. Yeah. Clearly, like, so exactly. Like if you don't, don't think about it because you, no one is talking to you about it, then of course you're, you're how you were supposed to know. Like, first of all, like Ali, like this is game changing, like knowing all of this. Um, so that's that. So thank you for, for sharing that. <laughs> You're the second thing, it's absolutely, truly horrendous that we are not being taught that at school. Like I this know. is our daily lives. Like we are, we're learning about, you know, polynomials and like shit that you're not going to use <laughs> like yeah. ever, like in your life at all. But you are not, you know, learning about something that happens to you on a monthly basis for 40 like, years of your life. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like if you are not interested in, in learning more, which I was like about different hormones in different phases of the cycle, like you don't even know that there are these no, phases you don't. and like, yeah, exactly. And, and, and I feel like this is so game changing to know which hormones spike during which phase and, and right. And like, like birth control, like, you know, we are talking uh, about, you know, have safe sex and, and, you know, be careful, use condoms, which is like, shh, shh, but you can put your condoms. <laughs> but like, no one really, oh, I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. But again, no I one think talks about birth control. Like, but I really, think that's but, it's pretty incredible that you're sharing all of this yeah. with your audience, that you're having these like courageous conversations, even what you shared. We can't wait for your episode on our podcast to be released. Mm. Where we talked about slow fashion and sustainability and climate change. And it's just, again, 
you're at, you're so ahead of where we were at your age in this sphere that um it makes me feel very confident about where mm. the world is going and and where the next generations will continue well that makes me feel very very good um i hope that you will not be disappointed in <laughs> whatever like I'm I have so much like anxiety for the future that I'm sometimes even not like thinking about um like I feel like this is because of the climate anxiety and because of like growing up in the idea of climate change and war and whatever and that I feel like a lot of gen like I don't you supposed to say gen zeros gen z's gen whatever we don't think about the future like in a long-term idea because we are like we were kind of brought up in that, that the world is like so fucked up and everything is going to explode and there's going to be like an Armageddon or something. Uh, so I am I'm excited that I'm making you excited and I hope that we can uh, inspire each other to be hopeful because only when we are hopeful, we can actually act so that the world is getting better. Um, so even if it's being naive, I prefer to be naive and to actually do something than to just lay face down on my bed and just scream into a pillow. Yes. And you know, some days you might have to do that, but then you got to get up and keep going. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's like, we're here right now, whether, you know, we want the earth to be here for as long as it can and we want it to heal, but it's like, we got, we're here you know, in one of our guests calls this earth school, like we're all here in earth school. So we have a choice on how we try to show up with our time that we are here. And, you know, in, in our Buddhist practice, there's this idea of making causes like cause and effect. Um, and this idea of like making causes in the present, the only thing, you know, there's a lot we don't have control over, but we do have control over the causes we try to make in the present. And so, um, and those effects will manifest in the future and we don't always know how they'll manifest, but they will. And so I think what you're sharing, it's like, it's that idea of like, we have the opportunity we're here, whether we like it or not, we're here on our school. So let's take the opportunity to make the causes to create the kind of future we want, even if it feels overwhelming sometimes, even if you need to scream into your pillow, even if you have climate anxiety, all of those things I think are probably just going to come along for the ride. Yeah. 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 Well, on that note, I really want to thank you so much for coming and for sharing all of all of everything. You know, I'm so uh, happy to talk about these things because like it's also like I am excited to talk about it. But like I said, there is a lot of shame and insecurity in in speaking up and like, you know, breaking the, the glass ceiling of of being uh, you know, not empowered in this in this world. Uh, so I am really excited that we can share it with the listeners. Um, so if their listeners want to learn more uh, about you and, and what you do, where should they go? Yes. Well, if they want to listen to the podcast, we release episodes every single Wednesday um, on all podcast platforms. So Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon, wherever there's podcasts, you can find us, Courageous Wellness. And we have over 200 episodes on a wide variety of topics. So um, yeah, you can start there. Then you can also visit our website at courageouswellness.net and we offer one-to-one coaching and we do events and we have a great newsletter where we share things. So courageouswellness.net for all the things and yeah, at courageouswellness on Instagram. I think that's everything, right, Al? (laughs) 
Yeah, I think that's everything. Thank you again, Julia, for having us today. Thank you so much. This was such a great chat and and it was like surprising a bit because it was pretty spontaneous. So I actually, like I said earlier, I had the pleasure to be a guest on, on the girls podcast, which was a huge pleasure. And we had a whole topic prepared for that. But for this show, we decided to kind of, you know, see how the conversation flows and and it went this way and I'm super glad that it did um, but I have to admit that at the time that I was recording this chat I wasn't in the best condition uh, because if you follow me on Instagram you will know that I was actually partying uh, the night before and so on the day of the interview of this interview I was a bit hungover and sleep deprived and also I had to record it in someone else's apartment so this whole situation was a bit I don't know it wasn't difficult because I like I said I'm currently in the mindset of romanticizing life and really um, enjoying every situation that it presents um, but it was you know it was definitely a first for me uh, I'm not a huge drinker not a huge partier um, but I feel like making this chat more chill through me you know being not in the best condition and not having such a strict topic prepared for the interview um, made this conversation so interesting I feel like I know it was relatable and and relevant for for me definitely and I'm I'm so I don't know I feel like I, I should probably try that more um, to interview people that have a lot of things to say and are experts but not have such a strict topic and questions prepared I know that you may not be aware of all of the technical aspects that are happening behind the scenes of of the show but usually you know we prepare questions very often we send uh, we as hosts send those questions to the guests beforehand so they can feel comfortable and they can prepare and that is all well and good because you know then uh, you, we can provide a lot of helpful information however um, I don't know it makes the conversation a bit less authentic I think um, so yeah I was super happy with with the chat and and I don't know, my state of mind made me, I think, less, a bit less stressed and more open to discuss everything and anything. And, you know, those are difficult topics. Like I said, you know, women's health, periods, birth control, sexuality, those are difficult topics. And and I'm glad that, you know, I had such great company to, to discuss it. So, yeah, thanks again to Ali and Erica for coming. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Um, actually, I think I haven't done a proper insight of the week in the past couple of episodes. So here I am. Uh, for anyone new here, the insight of the week segment is just me sharing with you my recent thoughts or my recent like situations that I was in or like something that I realized uh, just, you know, to kind of keep you updated where I am with my life and, and like mentally. And and like I said, recently, I've been just really into the idea of romanticizing life and taking and accepting and having fun with whatever life is presenting. And I feel like this has really influenced every area of my life. I have been feeling a lot more confident through just enjoying everything um i have been a bit anxious but like that is aside from 
like this whole situation because I just had a lot of responsibilities to to tend to but I feel like without actually consciously focusing on accepting everything that's going on without many expectations I feel like I would be so much more stressed and also I feel like enjoying everything that is presented to me without expectations has led me to the mindset of uh, how my friends put it you know don't chase but attract Um, I love her for that she always reminds me that when I am like complaining that I I want to get somewhere or that I have a goal or complaining about the current situation she always reminds me that I shouldn't chase I should attract and if you are into the law of attraction and manifestation community you will know that a big aspect of that is letting go and I'm not gonna like get into like manifestation and the law of attraction right now because you know there is a lot of pseudoscience in there and I don't want to um I don't know I feel like this idea of that is um, problematic in some ways however I do agree with the fact that if you focus on having fun right now and focus on noticing the good things in your life, even more good things start to come. And that's what I've been recently noticing. And I'm super, I don't know, I'm just happy with life, even though it's sometimes confusing and crazy and fast paced. And I don't know, it's just, it's just sometimes a lot. But it's been good and, and I'm happy with, with everything. Also, the podcast has been growing recently. Um, also with, you know, the Meant to Move uh, collaboration, which you should definitely check out those recent episodes. And yeah, like I've been, I guess, more balanced in everything because like I said, you know, I've been working a lot, but also trying to relax and, and party a bit and and trying new things that I wasn't, that into in the past and through stepping out of my comfort zone that has led me to I guess be more accepting of everything of accepting of people as well Um, because when you try new things and when you try to put yourself in the shoes of other people you can realize that their opinions about the world and like different hot takes that you don't usually agree with actually like you, you you don't have to agree with them but you start to see their point And then you come to this mindset, which is my personal favorite, which is that you cannot be certain about anything. So why even argue with people about anything? Because it's all based on perspective. And if you try out different, those different perspectives, then life is so much richer and you are so much less biased and attached to your values, which I think actually is a good thing. So yeah, I've been just currently living in that mindset of accepting everything that is happening to me without really much judgment um trying out new things trying out new perspectives and just you know living and letting live I guess I mean this is kind of cringy but whatever so that has been my life update a bit random but but I hope that you are doing well but if you are not that is completely fine I've definitely have struggled with mental health this year I guess mostly past year but if you are not well that is okay and that's real and you don't have to rush into getting better take your time cut yourself some slack accept that we can't and will not always be happy 
and that better times are coming and they will probably come if you right maybe let go of of those expectations a bit maybe those expectations are actually regarding being happy and if you expect less from yourself and accept that this is where you're currently at maybe that will make you feel better um so those are my thoughts again i am so thankful to you for listening to this episode i hope that you are enjoying this show if you are then let me know on instagram it's at beingbetter.pod or using our email which is in the description and it's also i think podcast.beingbetter at gmail.com um i love you so much i hope you are doing well and yeah please take care of yourself and if you can of someone else too and i will speak to you in the next episode being better is edited and produced by julia spore you can learn more about the show and about other work over at our website beingbetter.info and the instagram is at beingbetter.pod if you want to support us the best way to do that is by word of mouth so if you can please tell your family your friends and what the hell also tell your enemies you know we don't discriminate on this podcast so tell them about the show tell them about why you like it and about why you like the incredibly amazing and very humble host you can also share it on social media platforms and if you tag us we'll make sure to reply thank you so much for joining us today and i'll speak to you very very soon